Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The city of Hamilton has given the okay to apply for that bid for the 2030 Commonwealth Games. Uh, but they want to do risk assessments. There's a number of things that are attached to this right now. This is not a, an outright, uh, yeah, let's do this sort of thing, but it is a step forward. Greg Maycheck is with the Hamilton 100 Committee. He joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Greg, how are you doing this morning? I'm very good, Bill. Yourself? Excellent, excellent. Maybe you could explain for our listeners exactly where we are in this process. We're right now at what they call part one of our submission of our proposal, which is our early plan uh, to host the game. So it used to be called a bid, now it's called a proposal, and uh, we've completed now phase one. And now with permission of the city, which we're very appreciative, uh, we'll be submitting our proposal next Friday. Uh, submitting it to whom? We'll be submitting it to Commonwealth Games Canada Okay. for their review and also their feedback. And then on December 16th, we'll get some indication as to whether or not we're the only Canadian city or we're one of a few. And now, is that held in a confidential manner at this point? Because I I have not heard uh, much in the way of any feedback from anybody else that says they're they're kicking the tires on this. Well, I'm not 100% sure. We know that a number of cities attended the initial briefing. Um, We're hearing that there are a few other cities in Canada, uh, but to date they've kept their proposal and their intent in confidence. Uh, and certainly, you know, any city could do that. Uh, we've taken the opposite approach. Uh, we've been transparent. We've been inclusive. Uh, we've, we've worked closely with the city, and we've worked closely with all our community partners to build a proposal that's reflective of the needs of the citizens of this community. Uh, it sounds like there could be at least two other cities in Canada that have taken a different approach, uh, one very private and more confidential, uh, but we'll know who those cities may be uh, sometime in mid-December. For those who don't know, uh, Greg, of course, was a longtime employee for the city of Hamilton uh, in the Culture and Rec Department, uh, and this is not your first rodeo. I mean, you've, you've been involved with a whole bunch of these things, past Commonwealth bids, Pan Am bids, a number of different big events coming to the city. Uh with where you are in the process right now, evaluate uh, uh, where uh, the the efficacy of this thing right now. Are we are we further ahead than we have? Have we learned from from what we've done in the past? Uh, is this a, a more smooth transition now? I think we've certainly learned. Uh, I think it was commented last night at council that previously it was more of a city initiated bid um, under the leadership of leadership of PJ Mercanti. This has been a community led bid. Uh, but certainly we have been working closely with city staff. And uh, actually last night and the amendments that were brought forward by uh, Councillor Clark, uh, we welcome those. Uh, we think that's smart. It's good governance. And we look forward to working closely with both council and with city staff to ensure that our proposal, especially the second phase, is well aligned to the capital plans of our municipality because Our plans should be the city plans, and the city plans should be reflective of our citizens and what's most needed in our communities. And and that's an important part of this, uh, for those that are concerned about price, and we should all be concerned about the the cost of these things. 
Uh, the past plans that have been involved, and, and you're you're clearly right. I mean, Greg, I mean, these were city driven. Uh, there were partnerships. I mean, people like McMaster and others were were involved in some of those, but it was really being driven by by the city's department. Uh, and I think what turned off an awful lot of people in some of those past plans, and I don't just mean Hamilton applications, but other ones, it usually involved brand new infrastructure construction, and that can get very, very costly. Uh, and, and there's always a concern about, okay, fine, what are you going to do with that facility once the games are over? But as I see the plan, and, and P.J. Mercanti and, and Jasper, two of the other folks on your committee, uh, have been on this program in the past. Uh, what I see here is 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 what you've done with this proposal is actually you've you've melded this and married this to the city's long term infrastructure plans. In other words, uh, they are already going to upgrade such and such an arena, and you say, okay, well, we can do that uh, with this money, and then that that solves a problem for the city and a problem for you. That is the primary purpose, and that's the approach we've taken, Bill. So you're 100 percent correct. Uh, but I will say. There are some lacking infrastructure uh, in our city. The pool at McMaster, as an example, was built in the 1960s, and certainly a, a proper aquatic facility that would serve the needs of both the community, seniors, and, yes, our, our competitive swimmers, the Golden Horseshoe Aquatic Club, and the ability to host meets uh, both prior and after the games uh, would also be uh, one of our legacy projects that we're looking at. So, and again, I, I invite people, you know, I know we're for early days on this thing, but I invite them to look at some of the details of this proposal right now because uh, it's it really reflects the, the capital budget plans for the city over the next number of years uh, with maybe, as you say, modified uh, uh, work on a number of existing facilities, which was going to be on the books anyway at some point in the future. That's, uh, that's what, correct, Bill, and, and we're going to continue to work closely. We have a number of meetings set up early in the new year, uh, where we're going to go over these plans in more detail. And if things need to be changed or tweaked or staff at the city or members of council see other priorities or a need for a change in direction, um, we'll certainly listen, as PJ has done since day one. Uh, but I think we'll do more than just listen. Uh, we'll take into account all their recommendations and we're going to make sure that these plans are consistent with those of the city. I want to ask you about the impact this has on community, Greg. And I know you've talked about that very passionately over the years with some of the other bids. Uh, and I know people will sometimes point to the Pan Am uh, involvement that we had here a few years ago and say, well, you know, where's where's the legacy? Well, first of all, there's a stadium here. I mean, I, I don't know how they can overlook that, but uh, we, we were not the major player. I mean, it was the Toronto Games, and, and we benefited from that to a certain extent. But you've visited some of the other uh, sites of Commonwealth Games uh, over in the U.K., uh, and you've seen the impact that can have. Maybe explain to, uh, to our listeners a little bit about what you've seen as legacy projects that are still actually helping those communities today. Well, I had the privilege of being in Manchester before their games, during their games, and after their games. And the one area in particular called East Manchester was probably the most challenged area anywhere in that city. Uh, I'll go so far to say that most citizens wouldn't go to East Manchester and unfortunately that part of the city was left to decay. Uh, they chose uh, as a legacy to build that area up and uh, Manchester City, the soccer team, at that time they were a good soccer club. Uh, through a new stadium similar to our own Tiger Cats, they were able to turn the tide, but that was less important than what it did for that part of that city. 
and the infrastructure and the businesses that resulted and just the attitude of the people and that that part of the city became an important part of the city and created an incredible legacy. Uh, beyond that, there were other areas of the city as well that benefited from the games. Uh, there was reports post-games that demonstrated that the Commonwealth Games in their city had a major economic impact and certainly created new employment opportunities, but also had a social impact and improved the quality of life for the citizens of that city. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Talk to us about uh, about the federal money and provincial money that's involved in this, because that's always got to be a key role in this. I mean, uh, the the people that are going to be raising questions, and a lot of them were around the council table last night, I'm, I'm, I know, as you know, uh, want to make sure that uh, that we're not on the hook for this whole thing. I mean, there's probably there's going to have to be some sort of a city contribution at some stage, and you're not there yet. I understand that, but but the federal and provincial governments have need to step up as they have with every other successful Canadian bid. Uh, but but have you had discussions with those levels of government about exactly what that might look like? I'm going to step back for a minute and just reiterate that our bid itself, which was funded by the municipality in the past has been fully funded by the private sector this time. In terms of going forward, formal discussions cannot take place until which time we're the Canadian city. So as was mentioned by staff last night at council, there has been some, excuse me, informal discussions. When we had our visit of the Commonwealth Games Federation and Commonwealth Games Canada uh, to our city this past summer, uh, both top bureaucrats from both Ottawa, the federal government, and the provincial government were present to observe, provide their thoughts and ideas, and to give us some input. But in terms of the whole funding question, those discussions take place after we're we're selected as the Canadian city, and then those more serious dialogues will take place. The formula that most recently has been adopted under the new Sport Canada policy applied to the unsuccessful Calgary Olympic bid, where the federal government actually exceeded their policy in terms of commitment of 50%, uh, with the province contributing actually, I think, more than 25%, and then the municipality making up the difference. But as PJ uh, clearly outlined in his presentation to Council, the city's contribution is, is not solely cash, Uh, It could be land, it could be a combination of the two, but it also includes um, games-generated revenue and other sources of support that could or will come from the private sector. So then their percentage then becomes less because it's a true partnership with community effort and community financial support. Do these games ever make money? Um, Certainly... They do. Um, Pan Am is probably an excellent example, but I'll say this, Bill. When you say make money, there was a surplus, but that was a dedicated surplus. It's actually built into the initial budget. So that money is set aside, and Councillor Clark alluded to this last night, and it is a very smart uh, comment, to build into your budget uh, what they call a legacy fund. And the legacy fund goes to help support facilities like an aquatic center, like a multi-sports center. And that money's there to assist the local community going forward. 
Some of those legacy funds from Pan Am continue to support the Pan Am pool and the velodrome in Milton. So to answer your question, games have and do create a surplus. That surplus is accounted for, and it goes back into the community to help with the overall operating costs for a minimum of 10 years, in some cases much longer. Uh, the Calgary Olympic Legacy Fund is continuing to fund a number of those venues in the city of Calgary. So um, to answer your question, yes. Which is which is good news for Hamilton taxpayers. I mean, for those that might think, well, yeah, once the games are over, we're going to get stuck with maintenance costs and upkeep costs. But uh, as long as that fund is there, that's going to mitigate that, that cost. Yeah, I'll say that fund is important as well because... You know, it's a concern, and as you know, Bill, I worked in sport for years. For some parents, sport, or most parents, it's very expensive. Uh, By having a fund like that, you create an opportunity to ensure that those facilities are accessible and that uh, all Hamilton children or individuals that want to partake in these facilities have the opportunity, and there's a built-in fund to assist those that might not be able to afford to do so. Greg, maybe you could clarify as well, uh, as uh, we're looking at some of the coverage and some of the reporting on the meeting from last night, uh, and again, I believe this was Councillor Clark's initiative, uh, to uh, order an independent peer review of uh, whatever financial model Hamilton 150 uh, is going to be using right now. What's that going to look like, and what's it going to accomplish? Well, that's really at the city's end. Yeah. The only thing I can comment on from Hamilton 100, uh, again, we welcome that. I think it's very important uh, that professionals, both at our end and at the city's end, and certainly there's staff like Mike Zagarek that understand money and budgets, that they do take a review and they make sure that our cost estimates are accurate, uh, that they have the opportunity to ask questions, and that we provide the answers. And if we don't have the answers, it's very important that we seek out whatever assistance we need to ensure that our cost estimates are accurate. Um, uh, Councillor Clark brought up, you know, cost overruns. It's important early. It's important when we submit, hopefully, our final bid, that the numbers are accurate. They can be backed up by professionals, accountants, architects that say these are very reasonable numbers. Uh, There's built-in contingency and that there's little or no chance that these uh, venues could or would go over budget. So again, I think the city's doing its due diligence. It's good governance. Uh, there's going to be city's tax dollars involved, and we have a responsibility to work for the, with the city to ensure that those dollars are well spent and that it makes sense for the taxpayer. How close are you now to developing that financial model? I would say right now it's preliminary. Uh, We did have uh, three architectural firms here in Hamilton uh, develop both our venue plan and the cost estimates. So that will be included, and we are going to share with City Council, based on their feedback from PJ's presentation, our submission, which now has made some minor changes, uh, adjusting to those questions to ensure that we're providing the answers and full transparency in terms of our submission. I will say games bids do change and it will evolve uh, based on dialogue and based on listening, but also making sure that we're doing the right things. And I will say, Bill, there's no question that what we're submitting in phase one most likely will change in phase two based 
on the continuous feedback we get. And I will say this, if, if at the end of the day the level of funding is less or more, it's important for us to adjust so that at the end of the day, if we're successful, that our budget is responsible. It's an interesting time and an interesting new way of approaching this, too. And uh, we're very, very fascinated to watch how this unfolds over the next little while. Greg, as always, thank you so much for the time and for the explanation today. We'll stay in touch. Well, thanks, Bill, and appreciate all you've done. And, uh, you know, I'm a dedicated Ticat fan, so I'm also going to say go Cats, go. See you there Sunday. Okay, thanks, Bill. Greg Maycheck, of course, from the Hamilton 100 Group. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.